This is Rat Skates of Overkill. You're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium on WMSC 90.3 FM. This is Reed from Speedwolf on vocals. Hey, this is uh, Richie Tice. I play drums. We're half a Speedwolf. <laughs> and you're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. This is Digestor. And this is Clevator. This is Fermentor. This is uh, Dissector. He's right, right over there. You can't. No, he ran away. And so, we are Ghoul. And you are listening to WMSC 90.3. This is Mario, drummer for X Motors, and you're listening to Japan Mix Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Hey, what's up out there? It's uh, Japan Nick starting off the interview with Paralysis. It's 6.57, and as I said before, this is the WMSC interview of Paralysis by Nick Perkel on April 18th, 2014 at Montclair State, University, at Montclair State University's underground radio station 90.3, heard in Little Falls, New Jersey, as well as worldwide at http uh, wmscradio.com. Now, um... Tonight, I have New Jersey's young thrash band Paralysis on my program tonight, along with their manager, Nick Mimikos. Uh, please turn off your cell phones, everybody. And can you each introduce yourselves and tell me what position each of you play? Um, my name is John Plemenik. Uh, I'm lead guitar, or not lead guitar. I'm vocalist and rhythm guitar. I'm Rhett. Uh, I'm lead guitar. I'm Charlie Hudzik, and I play bass. Nick Mimikos, manager. Now, Nick, how long have you been managing these guys? Well, unofficially, I would say since May, right, John? I would say about that. And then officially around the end of July? Yeah. yeah. <coughs> That's what I would uh, go with. Yeah. Now, how long have you been around for? And please tell me, like, how long each of you have been in the band? Well, we've been around since uh, we started uh, three years ago in January. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much... As a band, we started, it, me, Rhett Matson, and Jeremy Grothenstein, who is not here on drums, is like, we were the primary members, and Charlie just rejoined about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Charlie was in around October, around that time, and he just rejoined about a month ago, like he said. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, can you each tell me, like, your own stories about how you became metalheads? Well, with me, I used to be really big into like football, and I went on YouTube, and it was YouTube was kind of a new thing for me, mm -hmm. and I started watching like Rutgers football things and all mm -hmm. that stuff, and I listened, and in the background of the video, they had a Crazy Train playing, and I just instantly fell in love with it, and from there on, I kind of fell in love with music. Um. I don't know. My dad was a big influence, definitely, as a kid. When I was really little, he'd be playing, you know, Metallica and stuff, and I was in the backseat jamming along with him. He got me big into ACDC, which is, and Angus Young since then has been my idol, which, you know, made me pick up the guitar, and that's what led me to here. I really never listened to metal. Like, before, I would just really listen to classic rock, but when I met these guys and I moved to New Jersey, they really got me into listening to thrash metal. What were you listening to before Thrash? I don't know. I listened to a lot of um, classic rock like ACDC and Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. 
Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? I would have to say Bon Scott. You ever gotten to see ACDC? No, sadly. Me and Rhett have. Yes, we did. Tell me about the that show. Well, we didn't know each other at the time. Mm-hmm. We I went to go see him twice. I saw him at the Izod Center, and then yeah. I saw him at Giant Stadium. And for me, that was like one of – I saw Van Halen. That was my first concert. But other than that, that was like one of my first concerts, and that was just amazing. Right. And uh, let's see. I think that was uh, July 2009, I think. I, I went to the Giant Stadium one. Uh, my dad, of course, he's been a fan since the 80s. He saw him live do- like a dozen times, and he took me along, and I loved it. So, Yeah. That's my experience with that. Now, uh, Nick, yeah. explain your history with heavy metal. My history with heavy metal. Well, basically, you know, back in like fourth grade, I joined concert band. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a percussionist. And then what happened was was that my band teacher was really obsessed with the Beatles. And I would say that the Beatles were my, my gateway drug into like music. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like through friends and stuff, I discovered Black Sabbath, Metallica. And then it just really picked up from there. There's really nothing more to it. I mean, I went to shows, and I just fell in love. It's my life. I see. With me, like, uh, I I started getting into music from uh, actually industrial stuff, like KMFDM. Like, before I was a metalhead, I was like a rivethead. I just loved the guitarist, Gunter Scholz. He just, such an awesome speed metal guitarist for, like, industrial bands. I feel like... If you're going to have a good industrial <clears throat> metal band, you really need to have a good speed metal guitarist in it. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. And um, I think probably first concert I saw was uh, MDFMK, which is a side project that came after, the M- after they broke up. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, I ended up seeing, I believe, Ozzy Osbourne and Rob Zombie, I think, at the Izod Center. That's very cool. And um, nice. Nice. around that time, I discovered uh, Ministry, which had awesome. Mike Scotia, my favorite guitarist of all time. Awesome. Um, he, he not only was in Ministry, but he was really famous for Rigor Mortis and started getting into Rigor Mortis. Um, and just eventually throughout the years, I decided to myself, I need to fly out to Texas to see Rigor Mortis one day. <laughs> And I was nuts enough to fly out in 2011, and uh, it was a miracle I did. Now, um, anyways, with you guys, I got to meet you at the March 8th Trenton, New Jersey Championship Bar and Grill Show with Ex Mortis and Lich King headlining. How did you get booked for that show? Well, really, uh, Brian from Lich King, he recommended us to Michelle, the uh, booking agent, and and I'm also we have also been really good with Michelle. She gets she she gets us on a lot of shows and she's just been really good to us as a promoter. So Now like who are you more into? Lich King or Ex Mortis? Ooh. Well for me, um I don't know. I like how Lich King's more like goofy and stuff like that yeah. and they're pretty they're pretty funny, and they also got some really good riffs. But mm-hmm. Ex Mortis is like, they're. I really like how they yeah. got the whole, not only like just thrash, but a lot of like mm-hmm. classical things going on. It's there. like a- comparing apples and oranges, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 
me, I love Lich King. I love their music. I like what Ex Mortis does. It's very melodic. It's much. It's very different. I wasn't there for the Ex Mortis and Lich King show, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I really do like Lich King. They're a good band. Okay, now each of you, like, I want to hear like your favorite Lich King album. Uh, Born the Bomb. Born yeah. the Bomb. Yeah, I'm with them on that. Born of the Bomb. I agree. Me too. <laughs> yeah, although I must say, like. If they don't play Attack of the Wrath of the War, the Death of the Blood of the Strike of the Beast, I'll be really disappointed. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like, how can you see Lich King and they don't play that song? It's like seeing Guns N' Roses and not hearing Welcome to the Jungle or something. Yeah. I guess being that also Lich King is like an East Coast metal band, what other types of figures in the Northeast metal scene um, are you looking to uh, get booked alongside next six, twelve months? Um, not sure. We'll... Uh, condition critical. We've played with them before. They're they're from up here yeah. too. We love playing with them. That was they played that March eighth show. Uh, mm-hmm. Xenophile too. They're Xenophile pretty... as well. Yeah. Yes. You guys tried getting on the uh, Overkill show at Starlight Ballroom. There was that, right, John? Yeah, that there was that, but that didn't work because I think. A couple of reasons. Yeah, next time. Yeah. Overkill's from up here, so yep, that overkill. counts. Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Whiplash. Hope to get on a show with them. Uh, just play with Toxic. Again. <laughs> and on that note, let's listen to All Hail from Lich King's Born of the Bomb, just to start off uh, the interview right with some tunes.
Okay, uh, you're listening to WMSC 90.3. It's 7.17 p.m., and I have New Jersey's Paralysis on my program tonight. Now, tell me, guys, what was the song that we just heard? You, you just heard uh, Wall Through Endless Dreams. How old is this track? Uh, I'd say about maybe... October. Oh, not October. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah October, five months around there. So, who was the main songwriter on this? Um, I was Brett added in the solo, of course. Of course. Uh, Jeremy did the drums, of course. Uh, mm. Charlie did the bass, of course. <laughs> so, pretty much, yeah, that's how it went down. Now, uh, did you get any help on the lyrics or any of the arrangements? Or, um, <clears throat> no, I didn't. I it, it's all it call, all comes from personal personal experiences that I've had. Now, what types of personal experiences helped write that song? Well, a lot of time, me personally, um, going through depression mm -hmm. and stuff like that, um, like some of the lyrics in there, uh, you don't want to get out of bed because mm -hmm. like everything seems so challenging and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It just 
comes from personal experiences and I know from other people too that I've talked to um, that it's just, it's really hard, but like wallow through endless streams, you got to just carry through your problems and eventually they'll get over. And yeah. Now, is that one of the more dark songs that you get into with your band or is that pretty much typically like how most of your uh, songs are written? Uh, that's not one, of, that's not the most darkest one that we have out, but it, it's, yeah, it's up there. I see. Now, what types of bands do you feel like your love for their music helped kind of like influence that particular song? Um, a little bit of Slayer, uh, Nuclear Assault a little bit, um, Maybe a little bit of Anthrax. Megadeth? Uh, Say yeah, Megadeth. Megadeth. Megadeth, Definitely. of course. So, uh, I guess, important question for each of you. Let me hear what you liked better, Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets? Ride the Lightning. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, there are two completely different albums, but I, I, I love Ride the Lightning a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I really do like Master of Puppets. Mm. I would say Ride the Lightning myself. I got to see the whole album live at a Ride Festival. It's a great album. I'm the black sheep here then. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, I love Ride just because, like, when you get to Master, you lose, like, that that real punk feeling of Metallica Mm. and, like, the real just dirty, nasty aggression. And it's just kind of like... I remember doing an interview, actually, with the singer of... I believe the crumb bumps from Austin, Texas. And he was saying like comparing ride to master was like ride is like you're going down this nasty hill on a skateboard and you know, you're losing teeth when you get to the bottom. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, that's exactly. it. Exactly. And whereas like master was more like, I feel like just walking into like a mortuary or something like that. And it's, it's darker, but I mean, just the madness of ride, gives it its charm and just really like with with metal what what made just thrash so amazing was just that just that shot of like the the madness of hardcore punk into the sound of like the new wave of british heavy metal group and um just punk and hardcore really really helped get metal to where some of the real golden ages of the 1980s definitely i totally agree now can you give me a rundown on the major goals your band has when you perform at like a new venue you've never performed at um well like a goal for for me personally i just try i want to impress people and show them that we're not that 12 year old band that's just doing it as a hobby or just doing it to do it we want to we want to be professional about it we're not just like i said 12 year olds playing music uh yeah we're definitely not 12 year olds but uh the you know just touring in general just playing different venues different areas we've never played before the starling ballroom in particular definitely definitely yeah i really do agree with john it's nice to show people that young people can still play good music and they can still be good musicians. Now, 
did you all just like pretty much learn from like albums you got or did you how many of you were like students of music classes well i plan on taking music classes when i get older and get into college but as of right now i just kind of learn from what i hear on either the radio or just what i pick up and listen to i personally uh i first started taking lessons like a while ago when i first started picking up guitar and like second grade but uh as i moved on i took lessons and then ended up quitting and doing my own thing but not necessarily classes i'm on the same boat as john here i have never taken a bass lesson but really i just spend my time practicing to songs that i really like and i really like to learn and you end up learning a lot yeah but i i also take guitar lessons still up to this day i've been taking guitar lessons for like seven years now so how frequently do you take these lessons? Every week. What is it, like maybe an hour or two? Mm, half an hour. Not not anything big, but just <laughs> once in a week. Do you feel like um, today's music could be really improved if, like, instead of, like, bands like you, instead of just learning from the records, but actually, like, apprenticing under, like, masters, like... Um, you are good friends with some of the guys in Toxic, like things of that nature. Do you feel like if you could get like regular lessons from like some of these heavy metal like legends, it could really improve your band? Yeah, definitely. Like I got a couple voice lessons from Mike Sanders and he's helped me out with that. And just what he explains to me what to do and all that, it's just so impressive. And if I could take lessons every day from toxic that would be amazing like at the at the toxic show just standing right in front of josh christian as it, my my jaw was dropped like for a majority of the time just watching him solo and you know w witnessing a legit 80s shredder right in front of you is like crazy and being able to learn from that would definitely affect me a lot of the um like m like people who played and bands like Toxic a lot longer, they really just have more experience, but not just more experience with playing. They like have more live experience, and they've played shows, and they've been out there, and I think mm -hmm. it's really good to have somebody teaching you not just about the music, but about stuff like that. Now, on that note, since we're talking about Toxic, let's tune on or turn on one of their tunes. Uh, I've got Pain and Misery, World Circus, and count your blessings. Tell me what you want to hear first. I say pain and misery. I say world circus. I'm going to have to say world circus too. Pain and misery. Tie. Oh, tie. That's mm. not cool. What do you say, Nick? Um, world, circus. world circus. Yes. There we go. Here we go with world circus by Toxic. You're listening to WMSC 90.3. This is Japan Nick interviewing Paralysis. Stay tuned to WMSC.
And we just heard a double shot of Toxic from World Circus. Um, obviously, the title track and Pain and Misery. Now, um, how long have each of you been into Toxic for? Uh, I've been into Toxic for about, uh, about six months, seven months. Mm-hmm. Well, when we met Nick, of course, he introduced us to Toxic very much. Uh, I've been listening to them for around the same time as John. Yeah, probably about the same here because they're the ones that originally told me about the band Toxic. Yeah, and as they said, uh, I told them about Toxic because I tell everybody about Toxic because I think everybody should listen to Toxic. But I think I've been listening to them since, geez, maybe seventh, eighth grade. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And um, now, how did you, like, make that connection that you actually had, like, a New York City gig with them? Well... Nick really started talking to Mike Sanders mm-hmm. over Facebook and stuff like that, and, and Josh, he in, and Josh too, and and um, he introduced me into Mike Sanders because he, we were talking about some vocal lessons, and I got help from there. And I guess Mike Sanders, because <coughs> he's such a nice guy, that he um that he asked Saint Vitus because one of the band's Death Thrash dropped off the bill. So he asked if paralysis could get on, and there you go. Yeah, I mean, I showed Mike uh, tensions a while back, and he was asking, does he get voice lessons? I'm like, no. And he was like, oh, well, I might know somebody. (laughs) That's how it kind of went, honestly. Yeah. I was like, are you hinting you? (laughs) Mike Sanders also came to one of our shows at the Washington Theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played a show up in Washington at Washington Theater, and Mike Sanders lives nearby. And Wait, where is the Washington Theater? In Washington, Washington. New Jersey. Washington where is County. Washington, New Warren Jersey? Warren County. <laughs> Warren County, yeah. Ah, okay. Mike's the man. <laughs> yeah. You think um, maybe this summer you might be able to play any like sort of like county fairs or maybe the New Jersey State Fair? Um, well, in Washington, they have this huge thing like going through the whole town and they have like a lot of bands play, so I want to see if we can like get on something like that. And then there's like next town over, Chester, New Jersey. They have mm-hmm. like 4-H fair and stuff like that. I, it, it sounds silly, but it's a show. <laughs> uh, 4-H can be cool. Like I used to do 4-H when I was younger. Like I used to raise rabbits, and the thing was, it was like I had like two rabbits, and then like one of the ra- one of the male rabbits got into the female rabbit's cage and then i had a lot of rabbits <laughs> and um you know how our rabbits go yeah. so uh, oh, yeah ended up winning actually a couple of trophies like one time i won i think best mini lop and i think like the last year i did 4h but uh that's a lot of fun but i mean uh, you can have a good time at like a county or state fair mm-hmm. yeah how long do you think till you get another chance to uh, perform with Toxic? Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, Nick, want to go in on that? Um, didn't Mike tell you that he wants Xenophile and you guys to play with Toxic when they come around again? Yes, he did tell us that at the show. Yeah, I mean, forgot about that. I, I mean, yeah, he did tell you that. So I was like, wait, why are you telling me? But yeah, he did say that. Hopefully, then, then. Hopefully, just whenever that is, right? That was a great show. That was. So, like, was the Toxic show your first time performing in the five boroughs? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So what have you learned about performing for a New York audience? It was very different. Um, uh, it was just, it was crazy. I don't know if it was be mainly because Toxic was there, but like the amount of people that showed up to our show was just mind-blowing. Like usually we maybe get like 20, 30 people watching us. We mm -hmm. had maybe like close to 100 people in the room and it wasn't only they were watching us, they were moshing and yeah. headbanging and all that stuff. Ball of death. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. We, yeah uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a lot more energy in the, room, in the room. Everyone was moving. It felt good. There had to be more than 100 people, I'd say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we performed our first wall of death to <laughs> our song Sleep Paralysis, and that was fun. That was cool. Yeah. And, uh... In New York, there was definitely a lot more diversity between, like, the crowd. And it definitely, they felt a lot more enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, New York City has a decent scene. Definitely. So how long did you stay at the show? Because, I mean, like, I know, like, shows at St. Vitus, the Akron, things of that nature. Like, you see the headlining band, it's like, I'm sorry, if you took NJ Transit in... You're not getting out of that show <laughs> until the morning. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we stayed till about maybe like, I'd say two. No. The show yeah. ended around midnight. Yeah, yeah, but we stayed after quitting yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. Now, on that note, let's listen to your uh, live cut of Sleep Paralysis and then talk about that. <laughs> Fire! 
And that was just paralysis with sleep paralysis. <laughs> now tell me, guys, um, how difficult was it to record that one? Um, well, that was that that was. I know that's a live show. cut. Yeah, but um, we haven't really. We just still have to go in the studio for our EP, so we don't. So we don't know how it's gonna come out. I know that's that's definitely a fast one. It's gonna be yep. hard to record, I'm sure, but. I guess time will only tell once we get there. A lot of takes. Now, <clears throat> when just talking about like how each of you do, who honestly do you think is going to take the most takes for their part when you go in to record your EP? Okay. Uh, uh, first, I don't. I don't know. You would hope about, it. Yeah, was, I mean, you would hope it was Jeremy that was we, taking the most takes. Well, yeah, we, I think it will be Jeremy. I mean, drums. That's like a rough song. I mean. Mm-hmm. All the the variety of the different types of beats and you know how fast yeah. it is. Guitar's one thing, but yeah. I mean, you're a perfectionist, John, so I know you'll be doing a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> now, um, guys, do you feel like um, using metronomes to record and practice with cuts down on the possibility of creativity in future compositions of yours, or are important tools to create stability in your playing abilities? Please discuss uh, both. Well, we come to a big disagreement, especially <laughs> me and Charlie. I say no because when the tempo changes, it's really hard to get that exact like beat in there. When I so I say like especially when I record with the drums and everything, we put a scratch track, and me and Jeremy will play along with each other, and then it'll go all play along with the scratch track and go from there so but charlie you want to take now i think when you're like recording it's a little different because it kind of you can edit it all if you want and you can make it how you want but i think it really comes in handy when you're playing live because it's like tracks when you're playing them can really speed up or slow down it's like that's just the nature of playing on stage and if you practice to a metronome it'll just become second nature and I'm on the fence about it. I'll let these two argue about it. I mean, I'm good with whatever. Well, well, I know, like, I agree with Charlie, kind of, because when you're playing live, like, the EP is a thing that people are going to hear most of the time. So you really need to get things perfect, because that's a uh, thing that people are going to judge you against. And you need to do it according to what people are going to judge you against. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But, like, uh, one of the bands, Dawn Patrol from uh, Tennessee, um, I was talking to the drummer, I think, and he was talking Kyle, about yeah. how they... um. How they don't use metronomes either when they record, and I totally agree with the non-metronome thing because it's like, if you have so many tempo changes, why add in so many different tempos? And one thing that I do get where John's coming from, of course, like what they're showing in the EP is what you're going to see live when it comes to tempo changes, all that good stuff. Like what you hear in the EP is what you're going to hear live when it comes to that, so... I mean, I agree with that. But then again, the being professional when it comes to using a metronome and staying on beat perfectly, then I agree with that. So still, I'm on the fence. So, yeah. Like, I think, though, too, with the metronome topic, it's like when people go to see live shows, they want to see something crazy happen. They want to see sometimes mm-hmm. you screw up or a wrong note or something. They They want to see how are you going to react to that. They don't want to hear just like, 
complete 100% replication mm. of what you did on the EP. They're going to a live show to see a live show because a live show is unique and mm. different than what is the experience of listening to an album. And I totally agree with that because, like, I don't think any band sounds the same as they do in the studio. And if you sound exactly the same, you're inhuman, you know? Like, how often do you find that, like, you sometimes add a couple of, like, maybe two or three more arrangements or solos or some more lyrics or change up the lyrics for your live songs? I, I mean, for the most part, it's not like we're, like, throwing solos in there, yeah. but, like, sometimes we'll drag a part out longer and, like, you know, like, that Wall of Death, that was completely, like, out of the random. He did it and because the guitar starts on that part, as you heard. So he did it, and it worked out great. I mean, you can't do that on EP and tell people to run at each other on a <laughs> record. I mean, you would I don't know how. That, I mean, you don't know how that's gonna work out, but it worked live, so not everything's gonna be the same. No, Nick. Um, What's up? Tell me your feelings on the metronome. Uh, I think I said my feelings a bit ago, but I will say it again. I, you know, I kind of agree with Charlie because. The EP is going to be what people are going to judge paralysis based on. Because I think more people are going to hear the EP that go on to the YouTube channel to look things up or go to, like, actual live shows. Because live shows are just, like, one, like, experience, like, isolated in time where the EP could be listened to over and over again. It's kind of frozen in time. So you have to, like, get it right because, as, as John, I think, said earlier, they don't want to be known as, like, those 12-year-old hobby bands that just happens to pick up some instruments and think they're good at it they have to actually like come up to bat and actually do a great job so i think the metronome is a part of being professional we'll give you that one nick that was that was good (laughs) on that note um let's listen to either tensions or no turning back i'd say no turning back no turning back okay here we go
And that was Paralysis with No Turning Back. Now, tell me, guys, um, can you remember the experience that that recording was from? Um, that was from our Toxic show, once again. I see. Now, just like, how? what was going on in the crowd when you were doing that song? Well, that was our opener song. We, we went from March of the S.O.D. into that song. And then um, it, it, people were starting to, like, come in because we were the first act on. But everybody, like, once it started getting near towards the end, everybody just started moshing and loosening up and having a good time and it was just amazing uh yeah definitely that show with that song that's one of our heavier ones and uh a lot of people lost it at the end for that one so it was that was a good feeling and yeah yeah it, it was really an exponential rise of like enthusiasm in the and cl- the crowd like you could definitely see as people started to come in they definitely started to show that they liked what they heard yeah i mean yeah, I was in the crowd during yes. that time, and I saw a bunch of people just moving around, head banging. It was, it was fun to see. It's a good time. Yeah, it's all a good time. Aw. Now, I guess without further ado, let's put on tensions. The hit. <laughs>
Uh, we're back. It's about 8 p.m., and you are listening to WMSC 90.3 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. This is Japan Nick interviewing New Jersey's Paralysis. Now tell me, guys, what was that song we just heard? And give me a few words about it. All right, uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, Tensions, the first one we ever wrote. Uh, I mean, this is like a big milestone. It was like one of our first milestones because it was really where me and John got together. We sat down, we threw riffs together, and that was the creation. And that's a milestone for us personally, not only as a band, but yeah. Yeah, and we recorded that uh, September of last year. And um, and then this year in February, it was we had our original version up and then Glenn Evans of Nuclear Assault comments that he wants to take it and make a couple of tweaks to it. So we sent we sent him the uh, file, and now that's his our remastered version. I think the song, although it's in my opinion, it's not our best song. It definitely <laughs> is a milestone where it shows that it's definitely a thing of progress. Whereas before, it was just it really was just a few twelve year olds playing for a hobby. And then it really morphed into a more professional band that's actually getting serious about their music. And it's the biggest hit now, quote-unquote. Right, right. Yeah, because it was first recorded. Because it was the only hit. one that was recorded for a while. <laughs> we don't have a hit. Well, a lot of people still love it. There's no such day. thing as a paralysis hit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Not yet. What would be a hit in the minds of you guys? Well, anything that's getting played a lot, anything that, you know, well, after Define the... what, do you, what do you mean well, as a lot. I would like, say anything that, like, people like. Yeah, I mean, after the show when someone says, oh, I loved your set, I really like that song, blank, whatever that song is, and you get enough people telling you that, you're thinking, hey, this is our quote-unquote hit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, you know, basically, I talked to a lot of fans, and I asked them what they think of the four originals. And, you know, despite all the four originals being around and people heard them, tension still stands out to a lot of people. And I th- and also, I think there's a lot of other choices that people make, too, as I talk to them. Because they're like, you know, I really like Sleep Paralysis. I really like Wallow. I think, like, each of the songs are diversified in a way that, you know, everybody finds something that they particularly cling to and enjoy. And, you know, that's the great thing because it gets a lot of fans, you know, of, you know, diverse fans just coming in and enjoying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're getting ready to record an EP. Please tell me... Are those the four songs I played tonight? Yes. That's it? Yep, that's mm-hmm. it. Now, how far along are you with the decisions about choosing the producer, mixer, mastering person? And, like, just where's this taking place? Well, really, it's just kind of like a mishmash of whatever we can find, really. We played a battle of the bands a while ago and we won studio time at some school of rock and mm-hmm. we've been we've been like going back and forth and it's been a couple months and we still got to get that in but we're planning on just going into there and doing the drums and then doing a lot of stuff at my my house and doing like the guitars and vocals and mm-hmm. having Matt, maybe Matt a close friend uh mix it for us mm-hmm. and do all that stuff have you thought about contacting uh, the bassist of Condition Critical, Mike Dreher. He actually con- he actually um, messaged me, and it was the first time I started talking to him. And he asked me if I wanted to do a a uh, a recording with him. And I I I figured that once we come time to record our album, which I'm really hoping we do, maybe take him into consideration for that because 
the EP, I just want to get out so people know we are legit, you and know? exist. But, like, I don't mm-hmm. want to put so much money into it as yeah. as if we're recording an album. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, can anybody else add something? Um, I'll say something. Basically, you know, I just want the EP to, like, come out because... You know, with the Overkill show, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we tried contacting uh, Starland Ballroom, and they want a press kit. And a lot of promoters, as you know, Nick, want press kits. Yeah. And a part of the press kit is the EP. So yes. I think, you know, the EP really needs to come out soon. So there's an EP that could be sent in press kits in order to get the bigger shows. Because, you know, the progress is going so well right now, promoting-wise. But in order to go to that next step, the EP needs to come out in my Yeah, opinion. I mean, you need to have, like, a yeah. physical release. Because it's just like... Sending YouTube links or something like that, yeah. that's that's okay. But, I mean, to really start taking things to the next level, you you need that physical release. Yeah. Get them on Metal Archives, too, which, you know, would be cool. Oh, I know what you can do. Become, like, a really crappy black metal band, and then you'll get on Metal Archives in no time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I guess just, um... How many, um, actual physical albums do you plan when you actually start printing up this first EP? Um, as many as we can afford. <laughs> I mean, we'll dump all our money into that and get them printed and distributed throughout I think wherever. the um, goal is like 100 for the first printing. If we have uh, whatever we can afford as the max, mm-hmm. that's what we're yeah, going to be. It's going to be like 75 to 100, I, I estimate. Yeah. But I mean, like, the thing is, though, um, I think with most bands, um, it'll probably take, like, your second or third release to really get rid of everything. Like, once you start getting into the level where you're say, saying to yourselves, you know what, we need a 500 albums, we need a 1,000 albums, <laughs> it can take some serious time, as well as um, you need to be reaching out to the... Uh, the web and mm. international customers as well. I mean, like mm-hmm. Germany, Japan, yeah. England. Um, yes. Those are major countries you want to hit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've been talking to a lot of people from international, like, countries. Like, you know, we definitely have some, like, fan bases spread out here and there. Like, Belgium's one of them, as John is aware of. South America, like in Brazil. Um, Mexico, too. Mm-hmm. All right. But, yeah, there's a lot of fans. I see. Cool. And um, I take it. um, Tell me about the artwork on your album. Well, again, it comes from like personal experience. Um, Kevin Stanley, the one who did it. Yeah. Or kept. Shanley. Shanley. Um, Hi, Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Sorry. But um, yeah, sorry. (laughs) But uh. how I wanted it, like, a lot of people, as I got, like, um, feedback from it, or the band has gotten feedback from it, it's kind of generic in a way, but, like, how I see it and how I wanted it to be is, like, the guy is, he caused either all this destruction or he's, he's, um, he's gone through all this stuff that's in the back of him and he's, there's no turning back to it and you just got to keep going on and get through life, you know? Are you I see. Uh, keep going right. down the list. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, completely what John said. Uh, like, there's a guy you see all the mayhem behind him, 
And he's looking forward, forgetting about the past and just moving on with his life. And, you know, that's what the song's about. Yeah. Um, Kevin Shanley is actually an MSU alumni. He graduated from here recently. He was a graphic design major. And, he, you know, he does some pretty great artwork. But also as well, John, with your comments, oh, it's like generic MS Paint, Ed Repka. It's only like three trolls doing that. It's like well, nobody. Yeah, so, but still, you, there could be people out there thinking that same stuff. Honestly, but like the, just uh, not have the voice. Yeah, to I say mean, it. a lot of the people though that like most people say it's like great artwork, and I've gotten like so many. I've received so many compliments too, and tons of people want to see it on shirts. And yeah, and I, that might be actually coming in the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I would love to wear that on a shirt. <laughs> well, I mean, while we're on that topic though, let's. Let's be honest, like, once you have that album ready to sell, what about making pins and shirts and patches well, and things of that nature? Like, with band stuff, we're really tight on yeah. money, so it's like, it's hard It's hard to get all the money scrambled up to get, like, a batch of t-shirts or that Yeah, kind I of know, stuff. I mean, and like, yeah. I'd say at your level, you want to put the money into something and then sell it within, like, a month. Yeah, yeah, and, like, we did, and it's just like, just trying to get all the money, and then there's those last couple t-shirts to make the next batch of t-shirts we have to sell and all that stuff. But like, once it comes down to like July, I'm hoping <coughs> to have a little bit more money in our band account so mm-hmm. we can splurge and buy more things like pins, patches, maybe um, more prints of the EP, and then t-shirts with the new logo on it and stuff like that. Uh, speaking. <laughs> Speaking of t-shirts, we do have t-shirts. Uh, we're ordering a new batch very soon yes. to sell if we already didn't. I don't know. But, uh, yes, there will be some available. And it'll be in the next week or two. And the great thing is, too, that um, it'll be available to people all across the country because we will be opening up a PayPal account in order so, to make sure anybody who wants one gets one. So you don't have to see us to have a shirt. You, you can message us. and You don't have to come to a show. Nope. <laughs> Just give us your money, right? <laughs> you could, I uh, mean... Think about for those fans of yours in Easter Island Just kidding. or Madagascar, <laughs> they can put in more money and get the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, uh, let's hear a few messages while I change up the recording CDs. This is Japan Nick. Tune into my show Friday night, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for music, 